This is a podcast from National Music Camp 2019. I'm Adam Weitzer, a participant in the Words About Music program at the Australian Youth Orchestra National Music Camp. This week I had the privilege of chatting to some of the musicians at camp to hear their thoughts on the critical topic of performance anxiety. I spoke to Kate Mostert, Principal Oboe in the Bishop Orchestra, Jason Henry, Principal Double Bass in the Bishop Orchestra, as well as Sharon Gregorian, who is cellist in the Australian String Quartet and a tutor here at camp. Now it's well known that performance anxiety is something that affects nearly all musicians in some way. Perhaps you could start by giving a snapshot of your own experience with performance anxiety. What are some of the thoughts that might come into your head before a performance and how might the physical symptoms differ on each instrument? I've been playing the double bass for about seven years now and I have performance anxiety to at least some extent in every performance I play, whether it be orchestral or a solo experience or chamber music. It's similar to a kind of fight or flight response where like, you feel like um, you hot flushes and you just feel like nervous and it really affects the way you perceive everything around you. You become scared of things. I think it's pretty much the same for all bowed string instruments where, um, you know, when you get nervous, uh, every performer can feel their heart racing a bit and then because of the adrenaline, you uh, get a bit shaky in your hands. Uh, you can feel quite cold and clammy. And with a string instrument, that can translate to your bow. We call them bow shakes. So you put the bow in the string and all you want to do is play a long sustained note, but you can the bow almost starts bouncing on the string because of that extra tension. And also with the left hand, sometimes for me, when I'm feeling that nervous, everything feels like you need to lighten off rather than actually just sink into the strings, both left hand and right hand. So your left hand, because it's quite tense, shifting can become more inaccurate. But for me, the main thing was the shaky bow. Well, the oboe is a bit of a temperamental instrument, and I actually get really nervous when I tune the orchestra because making sure that the start of your note is really stable and in tune and without a huge attack is challenging and I always think that in an orchestra I don't back myself with my entries and so if I get a bit shaky you hear it and also a small sound because you're so tense so you a lot of the sound happens um, in your body and the reeds inside and you're trying to find that resonance and when you're feeling tense you don't get such a rich full tone which is what we're after a lot of the time. There's definitely a little bit of fear, like, well, if it doesn't speak, like, what are you going to do? Or everyone's going to hear it if you stuff up. And it, usually a lot of the things that we play are, are either completely covered by tutti and so you're not really nervous, but be nervous for those things that are exposed. They're usually solos, so everyone's going to hear you. <laughs> now, these are instruments that are used widely for both solo and orchestral performance. Would you say that there's a particular context that triggers the nerves more than another? This is an interesting one, but I much prefer playing in front of strangers rather than playing in front of family members, just because my family members know me so well. And, you know, it's difficult when the pressure's on in front of people who really want to support you. And that's great. 
but um, it's easier to perform in front of strangers because I suppose there's an element of that feeling that you're never going to see those people again. I guess it's a little bit more nerve-wracking playing, for, for me it's more nerve-wracking playing in front of a large concert hall, purely because you don't feel that connection. It's much easier to just, because the audience is out there somewhere in the dark that you can't even see them, the first row is maybe five metres away from you. It feels less personal and that can sometimes be scary. So if I do start to feel like that, then I remind myself, or I, I always think about the two friends of mine that I know are in that audience or the family member or, or whatever, and I think of that person or those people and I play for them and I find that very comforting. Now, I'd like you to touch a little bit on the topic of memory. Being able to play from memory is you know, something that's often expected of high-level musicians, and so it, it brings a pressure that often exacerbates people's performance anxiety. Some musicians prefer to use music as a kind of safety net, while others actually feel liberated without the score. So what's your take on it? I always learn things from memory, and so there's, there's always ways to go about memorising notes and you know, not trying to memorize whole passages note by note, but rather memorize a shape or memorize kind of like a feeling and the muscles will generally do the work for you. I'm glad you asked that question because it's a little pet peeve of mine that it seems to still be sticking that certain things must be performed by memory. I think if, and I'm talking about concertos, sonatas, chamber music, orchestral music, conductors, you know, sometimes conduct from memory and I think whatever creates the best result if you're going to be freaking out hoping that you're remembering the next bar coming up because it's not quite comfortable enough yet to memorize a concerto or chamber music piece then don't bother because if you're going to be distracted by oh my gosh am I going to remember what's coming up then your performance the music in your performance is going to suffer so I, I've seen concerto soloists play with music in front of them and when I say that they're not they still know the piece incredibly well they're not glued to the music for every note but just as a little security thing that they might glance at once in a while that's great or I've seen I've seen conductors perform a score by memory because they've conducted it already god knows how many times dozens of times in their life and it's just naturally become memorized and that's wonderful because then it is they don't have the score as a distraction i've played under other conductors where they've really been determined that i want to conduct right of spring by memory because that's an impressive thing to do and i know such such and such conductor that's done that and it's been absolutely terrifying because you can tell that they're not actually confident yet with what they're doing so i really do not think it matters and i wish that more performers wouldn't feel the pressure or put pressure on themselves to play something by memory for the sake of playing it by memory. If it comes naturally and they find that the music is now becoming distracting, yes, that's awesome, get rid of the music. But if they feel more comfortable with the music in front of them, then that's what they should do, in my opinion. Mm. And this is something I've been pushing myself to do a lot more. I haven't done a lot of memory work like when I was younger. Um, and so I think it was definitely more confronting as an older student trying to play things from memory. However, I noticed that as soon as I knew something from memory, it was much easier musically to say what I wanted to 
Um, but the, also the way that you practice with memory work, I feel potentially is more focused and you're better prepared um, and it gives you real points to cling on to if something goes wrong. You have to know how to handle that so much better than if you've got the music in front of you. So I found it really liberating, but obviously it's something that you have to practice and it's that being afraid to fail especially the first couple of times you run a piece, is, like, really scary. And I, yeah, I think maybe if I was to get anxious about anything, it would be playing something from memory for the first time in front of an audience. Just going back to what you were saying, Sharon, about using the music, uh, I remember I saw the cellist Stephen Isilis playing with the Australian Chamber Orchestra a while ago, and he did the, the Shostakovich first cello concerto, and, you know, even he used music. Now if we can move on to a new question, what are some ways that you can deal with performance anxiety? Hmm, this one's a challenging one. I was given some advice by a teacher to try and make yourself nervous when you practice, not just by um, imagining an audience and videotaping yourself, but actually trying to um, trick your brain into thinking you're in a situation that you're not. Um, and that way, when you, when you can practice being on a stage in the practice room. You can practice being in your practice room when you're on the stage and have the same sort of freedom that you would feel on your own but in front of other people. And I thought that was a really interesting approach. I'd never heard of that before. You can find ways to deal with it just by working within your own headspace and and kind of having a lot more self-confidence as well about what you're doing on stage, caring less about the little mistakes, the things that would be like tripping up for example. I found that over the years it's become less and less of a problem as you do it more. However, I know plenty of professional musicians who have it, have it spike up and down over the years of their careers. Uh, a big one that we get taught from your teachers and all that is uh, to do mental practice, which is to always think about the experience of being on stage because the worst thing you can do actually is to be not nervous before you go on stage because usually the nerves will hit you much harder when you get up there. So it's actually better to have an early build-up, you know, and let the nerves sort of start to build slowly. That way you can become used to them, the adrenaline kicks in, and then you actually play better. I should mention, actually, one of the best ways to get rid of performance anxiety is to make sure that you are actually absolutely well prepared and that you know before you walk on stage that you can nail your part. Of course, inevitably, we're all human and little things go wrong all the time on stage. But you will never be able to feel confident if you know that actually there's a high chance that something could go wrong because you just didn't prepare your part well enough. That really helps. And then, of course, there are other methods that, you know, a lot of people don't like talking about, whether it be as students or as professionals. But, you know, a lot of people do, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it, like taking beta blockers. And that was the only way I could actually recover from my terrible performance anxiety. Of course, I encourage people to use that as a last resort. And a lot of people manage to recover from performance anxiety before having to get to the stage of beta blockers. But for me, I tried everything and everything, you know, all those physical things and breathing did help a little bit. But still, uh, for me, it had gotten to a stage where it was still too bad to actually cope just by breathing deeply. So I... 
I took beta blockers for a while um, and that broke the cycle. And after a few months of doing concerts where I could get rid of the physical manifestations of nerves through the beta blockers, then I phased them out. And I think just breaking that habit stopped the snowballing effect and I, I haven't taken a beta blocker for, well, how old am I now? 35, for about eight years, I suppose. So Sharon, as a very accomplished professional musician, what's some advice you might give to students? I think it boils down to two very simple things to remember, which is to play well and don't be an asshole. And what I mean by that is that both of those things are equally important. There's no point in, you know, sitting in your practice room for eight hours a day and becoming this genius performer if you're going to have an attitude and think you're better than everyone else or be difficult to work with. People don't care if you were the youngest person to win this award or if you got the, the top mark at whatever institution you were at or if you won the Tchaikovsky competition. People are impressed and then they forget about it. What people really care about is if you treat your colleagues with respect and, of course, playing as well as you possibly can on top of that. So I think the the number of students I've come across that have been incredibly talented, but I've just wanted to say to them, ah, just be careful. You know, you can can learn something, even if you're a principal of your section, you can learn something or a few things from the very last desk player, whether it be about their playing or their attitude. So I think always be aware of that. Always be aware of if you're a nice person to work with as well as to play with. Also, I think... I'm glad, I think there's more and more awareness of it these days in the student community, which is wonderful, that there are more than just a couple of performance paths if you do want to go into the performance room. You don't just have to get into an orchestra or form a chamber group or become a teacher. There are so many different things that you can do. And realising, just be honest with yourself and realise that maybe... What you want isn't what society thinks you should want. Maybe you don't want to be in an orchestra. Maybe you want to form a tambourine, trombone and violin trio and and start a cabaret show. And that's what you're actually passionate about because you're never going to be truly successful unless you're doing what you're passionate about. I left the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra. I thought my whole life that that was my dream, to get a job in the Melbourne Symphony Orchestra, and I was lucky enough to get it. And then I left that job after two years and I had so many people say to me, You're, are you mad? What are you doing? Why? If, do you know how many people would kill to have this job? And I said, yes, I do. That's why I have to leave it, because I'm not as happy in it as I should be. And there are lots of people out there that would kill to get in that job. So that's why I'm leaving, to do what I actually want to do. And you might change your mind. Your dream may be different five years later to what it was, and that's OK. Just Whatever you're doing to make you happy is what you're going to be successful in. Thank you so much for your time. It's been fascinating to hear all your thoughts on the topic. 